mindfulness mode. Everything in life is seasonal. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show. You'll notice on today's episode that my voice was a little scratchy a couple of weeks when I did this interview, so I apologize for that. Please bear with me. As we get into the new year, 2023, you know, I know we're halfway through January now, but, you know, what about the price of things? Isn't it crazy how much things have increased in price. Well, today we're talking about being frugal and how that can help you to get through this challenge that we have on our hands. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. I am here today with two awesome friends who are experts on being frugal, and they even have a podcast. Now get this, they even have a podcast called Frugal Friends Podcast. And how cool is that? So they've been talking about this for some time because they have over 200 episodes about this with more than 2.5 million downloads. So, uh, I mean, basically Frugal Friends is changing the way we think about frugality on this planet. So I'm so excited. Jen has her background in financial journalism. Jill is a licensed clinical social worker. So that sounds like a great combination to talk to people about frugality. So I'm here today, Mindful Tribe, with Jen Smith and Jill Siriani. Hey, Jen. Hey, Jill. Are you guys in mindfulness mode today? I'll ask you first, Jen. Go ahead. Are you in mindfulness mode? I I think so. I'm <laughs> I'm quite pregnant, so I my mindfulness is scattered, but I have marked a lot of things off my to-do list. So I'll cool. say yes today. Okay, well, that's good to hear. And I'm sure mindfulness is going to help you as you move through that pregnancy. And I wish you best of luck with all of that. And Jill, <laughs> how about you? Are you in mindfulness mode today? I I think so. It was interesting as I'm prepping for this time together, I was thinking back through all the things about mindfulness that I love. And it really did help me to be present in the moment. I don't have much in front of me. I am here and ready to be here with you, Bruce, and you, Jen. So I, I think so. <laughs> we'll see cool. how the rest of this goes. But I think <laughs> well, I'm yeah. in that mode. And I love the fact that you, you're just talking about it just off the cuff and you don't feel like you have to have notes or whatever. You're just going to share some thoughts. And what are your thoughts, Jill, about mindfulness and what it really means? To me, it is being present in the moment. I know that's kind of a classic definition of mindfulness. I would say in practice, it has looked like valuing what is currently happening for me. So whether that's the person in front of me or the circumstances that I am currently in, I think that's how I put mindfulness into practice. Cool. That's very good to know. And I would uh, certainly share a lot of those, those thoughts if somebody asked me the same question. So Jen, what is your take on mindfulness? Well, quite similarly, uh, presence is, I think, the most important part of mindfulness to me. Um, but yeah, intentionality, being intentional with my thoughts and not letting them get away from me. Like so many things often yeah. <laughs> let my thoughts get carried away. So just yeah. being intentional with them. For sure. So what got you into this space? What was the thing that that made you to decide, hey, yeah, let's do this podcast together? Jill, what would you say if someone asked you that question? Frugality for me was something I grew up with 
but what that meant back when I was a kid versus what it means now has certainly shifted and changed. But an understanding of buying secondhand and reducing expenses and living within one's means was a part of how I did life that carried over into my adulthood. As you've already mentioned to your audience, my background is in social work, so I'm not accustomed to making much money. And I associated that with then a necessity for a frugal lifestyle. That is one of the things that has kind of journeyed with me. It has helped me, but I would say it was in meeting Jen and having conversations around uh, debt payoff journeys and frugality and managing money wisely and intentionally, I kind of shifted my understanding of frugality and it not just being this race to the bottom or something that is only for those who don't make a ton of money. It can be for anyone and everyone. And that kind of that messaging and that redefining of frugality really, at least for me, kind of led me to wanting to have a podcast around this topic to help introduce others, share resources, tools, mm -hmm. and a different framework for how we can approach our finances. So basically, frugality is working for you. Is that right, Jill? Oh, absolutely. I'm I think assuming. there's so much freedom and flexibility in frugality, uh, but certainly this version of it, where it is more aligned with my values than just what is in my bank account. Cool, cool. So Jan, I'm I'm fascinated with your background being in financial journalism, and I'm I'm interested to ask you, like, with financial journalism, like what is it about frugality that got you there? And I mean, I guess it would be sort of obvious, but are you into being a minimalist? Is that also part of what you're into, Jen? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of traditional personal finance wisdom when it comes to frugality is about saving money in the sense of getting a deal or buying nothing at all. So there's there's these extremes that we see in every article about how to save money, every frugal living hacks. I know because I used to write them. Uh, they're all generic. They're all looking for the top spot on Google. They're very cookie cutter. And what I was finding was in reality is that yes, not spending does save you the most money. That it's not the couponing. It's not these rebate apps. It's not these small things uh, that we we tend to focus on. Hmm. But it's not that we're not spending at all. Is that the real lessons come in? How do we spend well? How do we hmm. spend um, and enjoy our spending without going broke? And so that was a a really interesting topic to me that I don't see covered a lot on websites. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we really explore in Frugal Friends is how do we cool. uh, spend well uh, yeah. without going broke? And yeah. how do we figure out what that looks like? Because it's it's different for everyone. Uh, and so that's where figuring out what you value and what you don't value uh, comes totally. into play. Yeah. Totally. Jill, I was listening to one of your recent podcast episodes and uh, it was from November 22nd and it was about how to cut back on emotional spending. Mm -hmm. So, so much of our spending is emotional. Can you address that for us, Jill? 
Absolutely. That was an amazing interview that we did. Yeah, I love doing interviews. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we often make decisions with our finances that are connected to all aspects of who we are. We are whole people. A lot of times we like to separate that out and we're going to talk about mental health over here. And then over here, we're going to talk about physical health. And over here, we're going to talk about financial health. And I think that episode really brought together some of the different interconnectedness of mm -hmm. who we are as people, our whole personhood and the way in which our emotions impact decision-making, impact then our behaviors. And there's a concept in here that is really linked to cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT for short, where our thoughts lead to emotions, lead to behaviors. And, and it's along those lines that we can realize then that if we don't keep that in check through mindfulness as a massive practical tool that we can be implementing with that, we can find ourselves making decisions with our finances or have behaviors with our money that are a direct result of our emotions and maybe not necessarily what we actually want to on paper and with our goals want to be doing with our money. And one of the, the biggest takeaways for me in that particular episode and when we talk about emotional spending is a lot of times we think it's negative emotions. Oh, I'm sad. I'm unhappy. I'm fill in the blank with whatever we might deem an, a negative emotion. And now I'm going to go spend to make myself feel better. But what we see is that emotions impact all of our spending. It can even be when we're happy, when something really fantastic just happened to us. We're excited and we might make an emotional decision around our spending. It's not all bad, but sometimes we find ourselves in situations where I really didn't mean to spend that. How in the world did I find myself in that section of the store that I always say I'm not going to go to? Or how do I have another cup of coffee in my hand? How did this happen? And it's that, well, maybe we, we need to keep a pulse on our emotional spending, the ways in which we're coping with all of our emotions. And is it benefiting us, our personhood, our finances, or is it not? And what are some things that we can be implementing to help identify that and choose something different in those moments. Yeah, for sure. I can see that being very closely tied to, you know, emotional eating that, you know, we do a lot of things because of our emotions. But what if you're, you know, a right brain person, you know, Jen, maybe you're right brain and you're thinking, well, I'm a right, right brain person. I'm all about creativity. I'm not about the, the whole financial picture. What do you say to a person like that? I, so as funny as it is being like in the personal finance field, I find myself relating way more to my right brain uh, listeners than my left brain, even though I do consider myself a nerd just because I love flexibility. That's one of my core values. And so knowing that all spending is not bad, even all impulse spending is not bad if we have a framework around or parameters around it. So we're not, the goal is not to create rigid rules and mm -hmm. rigid frameworks, but to create kind of uh, boundaries. We're just creating some fences that we can play within because flexibility is only flexibility if it's kind of anchored to something. When you're doing yoga and you are stretching, your body is still anchored to the ground. Without an anchor, like gravity, 
we're it's it's everywhere it's nowhere it, you can't it's not stable it's not pr- predictable it's really stressful so we're not creating rigidity we're creating mm. flexibility and i think that might make our more right brained <laughs> listeners feel a little better right. about some of these um some of these things we're teaching well that's really interesting i think maybe my anchor needs to be a little bit heavier <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm thinking back to the time when I went out to, out to the grocery store to get a few items, and I did. And then there was a car dealership right next door, and I thought, oh, that looks nice. And I came home from the grocery store saying to my wife, oh, guess what? I bought a car. She went, you went to the grocery store to get a few items, and you bought a car. Yeah, Bruce, okay. that's an extreme example. <laughs> yeah, usually so it's usually it's just stopping to get Chipotle on the way home from the grocery store, but uh, you have taken it to another level. Oh and, yeah. Uh, I respect that. But yeah, so a part of the anchor is figuring out what you want to say no to. So often we are only focused on the things we want to say yes to. What's going to make me happy? What's going to make me right. fulfilled? What do I love? We need to be focusing equally on what are the things I don't value? What are the things I don't love? What are the things I don't want to spend money on? Those are the anchors that we can mm-hmm. put this the you know line, draw the line in the sand and say, I have spent money on this. It didn't, I didn't make me as happy as I thought it would. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought it would, and I'm not going to spend money on it again. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And, you know, I mean, pretty much I avoid going to the grocery store. My wife's like, oh, I can go. And I think I know what she's thinking. (laughs) And she goes and she only buys what's on her list, you know, (laughs) and she's happy. She's a happy person. She comes home and I'm like, "Uh, did you buy chips? No, 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 we didn't. We don't need that. No. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's that's good. I respect that kind of person. Now, Jill, on the show, I interview so many people. And I mean, we often have traumas going on that cause our that cause our emotional behaviors. And so, you know, my question is, how can we take charge and, and not allow those emotional traumas? Or maybe you don't even want to think of them as traumas. They're just emotional things that may have happened when you were younger. How do we deal with that without being an overspender and and just going crazy with all this? Yeah, it's a great question. And it is very multifaceted. I don't think I could give a complete comprehensive answer in a few minutes. But I do think it it starts there. Even asking that question is is phenomenal to be curious about ourselves and to be interested and open in processing what our experiences have been. Of course, there's all different types of experiences that we can have throughout life that mold and shape us and kind of play into how we respond to different relational circumstances or financial circumstances. But I'll focus just on the financial aspect in this question. And I think some of it begins with taking an inventory of what are the decisions I make around money? This could even look like us tangibly looking at our transaction list on our debit card or our credit Mm -hmm. cards. And where is that going? Does it align with the things that I say that 
I value? Am I spending in ways that I would like to be spending? And if not, that's where some of that curiosity and processing can come into place of, hmm, what what was it about that day where I ended up spending $100 at that store that I never intended to do that? And that can kind of lead to the next thing and the next thing in our own, again, I'll use this term because I think it's really important, curiosity with self. So removing some of that guilt, shame, or pushing it to the side as it begins to surface and just genuinely asking ourselves questions. What does this say about maybe the state that I was in? What were the emotions that I was experiencing? Of course, there can be other questions, just standard questions we can ask ourselves about what did I learn growing up about money? How did my parents or caregivers or those around me approach money or talk about money or not talk about money? What did I learn from that? What of those experiences did I keep? What did I not? So we can be asking ourselves these questions of what what was I taught growing up about money, about finances? And is the way that I am now living that out benefiting me or not? And then continuing to process those pieces. Of course, if there are more deeper level traumas that we're having difficulty figuring out how to navigate, how to manage those things and the, and the ways that it's impacting decisions, seeking help for that. This is definitely an area where a therapist, a counselor can help to process some of the decision-making around finances and the areas that that impacts and intersects with other aspects of our personhood as well. That's really interesting. Jen, I know that I would save thousands of dollars if I did not have a credit card. Uh, that's, that's one of my, uh, difficulties. And that is because, you know, I will uh, sign up for an app or I'll sign up for something online. And so many of them, uh, I've got this thing that it automatically goes into place where, oh, all of a sudden they're doing it next year. They're charging me next year. Even though I might think to myself, geez, I haven't used that app in six months. And now they've just charged me again for it. I am guilty of having that happen. Uh, Do you find that a lot of people are in that position? Or am I just like a one-off? No, I, everybody, I actually just, I got a notification today from a free trial and it's, and thankfully I had put it on hold, but it I got a notification that I got another credit. I was like, what? And I, I had forgotten I'd even put it on hold. So, yeah. so yes, it happens to everyone. So it's not, uh, it's not something we are working against. We're not working against the way our brain works. We're not working against, uh, you know, kind of the standard human psychology. We're not trying to be robots. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you can, I think in, if we want to work with our brains and we want to work with them most optimally, we have to create barriers. We have to create these, these fences that we can play within. So whether it's like uh, alarms or uh, schedules or pop-ups to remind you when these things are going to come up again so that you can reevaluate if you're using them. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of most people's financial journey, it's manually tracking transactions. I know everybody's looking for a way to automatically budget and track it so they don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. But so much of what we learn in our spending and 
uh, our values comes from what the, from the purchases that we are making. And so when we are being intentional and mindful about every purchase is when we learn the most about our spending. And it's when we can start to avoid uh, these pop-up bills that just right. happen without us yeah. remembering them. And just taking time once a year, um, January is a perfect time to do that taking time once a year to look back at your your past spending, where you want to be now and where you want to go in the future is is really necessary at least once a year. Whether you consider yourself to to be really good at managing your money or really horrible at it, we all need to do the same practices which are these um these boundaries that just protect our brains that want, you know, to not think about money. They, our brains don't want to think about anything like that's hard work. So right. let's save our brain power for the things we really need it for and kind of create automations and um, other shortcuts for the smaller things. I think that's great advice. And yeah, I agree. January. Wow. We're in January, 2023. This is a great time to just transition and get yourself on track. And you don't have to make big changes and think, oh, my life is going to be completely and totally different. But we can become more frugal as, as a result of, of just making some basic changes. What are some of those basic changes, Jill? What, what advice would you give somebody if they said, hey, it's the new year. What can I do? What are, what are three tips I can do to improve my, my life through frugality? Yeah, we're not going to be able to do anything if we don't know where we're currently at or where we want to go. So it will require some of that deep diving into our transactions, just what's going out and what's coming in, just having an, an actual inventory of where is my money gone? Am I pleased with that? Am I not pleased with that? How much money do I have coming in? How can I make those things align? Because we don't want to hemorrhage all of our money. And and essentially, it's it's a budget. You can call it a spending plan for your right-brained people who don't love the word budgeting. If it sounds restrictive, it doesn't have to be. It can be a spending plan, but creating something along those lines. So first, it's the inventory. What's going out? What's coming in? How can I align that better? Where can I make improvements? And the spending plan is going to be what's going to come next after that to identify how do I actually want to be spending this money and how can I make it align with my values? And usually for most people, it's then going to look like, where can I cut expenses? That's that, what it, What can I say no to, which is what Jen was describing earlier. Mm -hmm. And and I think this is similar to the concept of, you know, minimalism, where we don't deal with our junk drawers first, or I'm sorry, we don't deal with our most... Um, special memories first. We, you don't have to get rid of your most prized photographs first. Deal with the low-hanging fruit that is going to be really simple. So cut expenses. If you love dining out, don't start there. <laughs> start with something that's going to be super easy. That can really tie into that inventory that you took. Do you have subscriptions that you don't use? That's a simple no. Do you have? Do you spend money on certain types of services 
businesses that just aren't important to you? Do you have, um, yeah, you name it, subscription services, items that mm-hmm. you typically buy, but you're realizing this is valuable to my friend, but it's not valuable to me. Say no to the low hanging fruit and begin mm-hmm. cutting expenses there. So inventory, making a plan, cutting expenses. These things are really going to help us move the needle in the new year. Yeah, I agree. And what about streaming apps? I mean, mm-hmm. they've become so big. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking, I didn't really look at that channel for a couple of months. Do you find that that's a big one? Absolutely. One of the things we like to talk about on our podcast is focusing on one thing at a time. And certainly that can come into play with streaming services. They're not bad. They entertain us. They can be really fun way to relax, Mm -hmm. but pick one. We don't need 10, Uh, but oftentimes we can find ourselves having collected 10 because they offer the free trial and then we forget to cancel them. So doing that inventory is going to help and then look at, okay, which one have I used? Use the most and none of these decisions are we locked into we can always pick up a new service a new subscription when we want but whittle it down to one try that on for size for a month and enjoy the savings for that month for sure yeah great advice either one of you can jump in with this i want to want to ask you a question about bullying because on my show i always ask a question about the topic of bullying because i believe that it's very closely related to mindfulness and it may be closely related to being frugal as well but do either one of you have a story you can share with us that you know maybe it has something to do with bullying and maybe mindfulness would have made a difference I think as the frugality uh, podcast in the personal finance world, um, we can definitely get picked on because it's much sexier to talk about investing and side hustling and entrepreneurship. And a lot of people dump on frugality uh, because of its um, correlation to a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's something that I think everybody has to an extent, uh, whether you are big, I, I think you can have, uh, you know, the, inv- the investing podcast and the entrepreneur podcast and still have the scarcity mindset, just trying on the other extreme for it. And so it's, it's definitely been, uh, interesting to navigate these preconceived notions of what frugality is. And I don't think I've been bullied directly, but I definitely like my life's work and my passion to help people that has definitely been bullied. But we have to understand that everybody is in their own place and on their own journey and realize that that frugality is for everyone, but you have to be in a place for it. Um, to be mindful of your transactions, to be intentional with your purchases and the things you collect, like in your physical space, where you spend Mm -hmm. your time, it doesn't matter how much money you're making. You need these skills to be able to flourish, not just externally, not just financially, but also internally, uh, to be able to really feel the fulfillment that is, Uh, there for you. You need to know how to say no uh, as easily as you know how to say yes. And not everybody is ready for that skill. Uh, And so to be 
mindful of that is helpful when when navigating this unpopular, unsexy old lady type of conversation as young people. Yeah, we do think of it that way, don't we? Old lady or old man or whatever it is. A lot of a lot of older people tended to be frugal and and it makes sense. You know, they were they were a lot, you know, through the war and they were through the mm -hmm. depression, a lot of them. And and of course, but as we move on in the interview, I want to ask both of you some quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers will be perfect. The first one I'm going to direct to you, Jill. And the question is this, who is one person in your life that was such a powerful influence on you that you ended up with some elements of mindfulness in your life? Mm. First answer is my grandmother very stoic, I would say in some ways, quite matter of fact in her approach to things. And yet having lived a quite difficult life through the Great Depression, as you've described, mm -hmm. uh, difficult circumstances throughout life, and some of her stoicism, matter of factness, despite not a matter of fact, black and white lifestyle, I think does hail to some mindfulness, whether or not she called it that and something sure. that I hope to implement myself. Right. Jen, my second question is this, it's about emotions. So how has mindfulness affected the way you deal with your emotions? It's definitely helped me keep a, a wide perspective and a, a grace for all kinds of people and all kinds of ways of thinking. Because when you are so wrapped up in yourself, um, it's it's hard to to live see outside of that bubble. But when you can take the time to be mindful, uh, you open yourself up to other points of view. So true, Jill. Tell us how breathing is maybe a part of your mindfulness practice or whether you use techniques of breathing in your life to become more calm and more focused? Breathing. Well, I have to breathe every day to, uh -huh. <laughs> to survive. Exactly. To breathe. But yes. absolutely. I think especially with the background, my the background that I have, the clients that I care for, something like breathing, grounding techniques, something that can be implemented wherever we are. We don't have to have special tools or a tool belt to be able to implement an effective coping strategy. And breathing, we carry with us everywhere we go. And so whether it's a stressful situation or a financial decision I'm making in the store when I need to be present in the moment, ground myself. Oftentimes, deep breathing techniques is what I go to in that moment to help gain clarity. Jen, you have written two amazing books, The No Spend Challenge Guide and Meal Planning on a Budget. Now, I don't know, and I can ask you this after, if... Uh, if you, Jill, have written any books, but my question is to you, Jen, and that is about any other books that you think could help our listeners, our Mindful Tribe listeners, with frugality or with mindfulness. Yeah. So we, uh, every four months, we release an episode called Frugal Friends Book Club, where we go over four books uh, that our listeners might find uh, helpful over the mm -hmm. next four months. So I'll just give, so I, 
we recently recorded that one and um, released it in December, I believe. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of my favorite personal finance books is in this episode called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Mm-hmm. And chapter four of that book, he covers by Ramit Sethi and he covers um, conscious spending, which is kind of it's the same as when we say intentional spending or mindful spending, same, same difference. And so that was, uh, when I read that so many years ago, very much introduced me to this concept. And I think that the rest of the book covers all other areas of personal finance that are very helpful, very applicable. Um, and so I, I very highly recommend that book, uh, to our listeners looking for a general personal finance book. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I will put it in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And uh, Jill, is there an app of any description that you think can help us to get control of our spending and be a little more frugal? Mm. The first one that comes to mind doesn't have much to do with finances, but can help in that regard. I often recommend the Calm app to people. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're quite familiar with it uh, and can help walk us through some of those grounding techniques or breathing exercises. Maybe when it's Mm -hmm. a little bit too overwhelming to think about that on our own, the Calm app has some of those, those pieces to it. And I believe that there's still a free version uh, mm-hmm. Maybe might not have all the bells and whistles, but that's sure. a handy one to have on the phone. Yeah, it's a good app for sure. So as we wrap up the episode, I think that, wow, there have been so many golden nuggets that both of you have shared in this episode. Do you have a final word of advice? Jen, I'll go with you first. A final word of advice for any of our listeners feeling a little frustrated or feeling like, I don't know if I can do this. What would you say, Jen? That that everything in life is seasonal and not just with the physical seasons. I mean, we live here in Florida, so a season can be nine months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it It's just seasonal. So whether you are experiencing a time of really great finances, great income, um, not a care in the world, that season will, will ebb. It will, it will get interrupted or vice, uh, you know, vice versa, if you are experiencing a season of financial difficulty, that season can also end. It's really where your, um, where your power lies is in intentionally taking advantage of every season and anticipating the next season and preparing for it. Uh, so preparing for hiccups in the road, are preparing to increase your income or lower an expense, uh, to really be living in the present and and planning for the next phase um, and not the phase 5, 10, 20 years from now. So, For sure. Uh, thanks for that awesome advice. Jill, a final word of advice? I would encourage folks to be kind to yourself. Rather than wasting precious time, energy, attention, and resources on our own guilt and shame and self-loathing, instead to practice curiosity and kindness and allow those things to move us towards well-being and the decisions that we want to make that are going to be most beneficial for us. Awesome. Such powerful words. I totally 
totally agree in kindness and compassion. So thank you. And thank you both for being guests on Mindfulness Mode. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you, Bruce. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, all the best to you. Bye now. I want to thank Palm Wonderful for being my sponsor. Drink it daily, feel it forever. For more info, check out palmwonderful.com. And with that, reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.